Well, open your Bible, please, to Proverbs 25. I want to speak on the subject out of socket, out of joint. Out of socket, out of joint. Let's begin with prayer. Our Father, help us now to learn something from the Word of God that will encourage and instruct. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would have his perfect way in our hearts today. Lord, there may be one here today who's never yet been born again. Nice as can be, yes, they are, but they're not saved. Father, we pray that you would speak to their heart, that they would hear the still small voice of God. For Jesus said that if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Lord, teach them how to open the door of their heart by faith, to receive Jesus. So bless this message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, probably every one of us have had some kind of accident in life. You don't have to live very long. Uh, toddlers love to have accidents. They're always falling down and bumping into something. And, you know, parents will come to church and there'll be some little goose egg, you know, up, up here. Where'd that come from? Oh, they found the doorknob. You know, so uh, accidents are very, very common. But let me ask you a question. How many here have ever had a bone come out of the socket? Has that ever happened to anyone? A bone come out of the socket? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, you're embarrassed. All right, then use the other hand then if you're embarrassed. Anyone else? Six, seven? Okay, a few of us have had a, a bone come out of the socket. Now, not too far out of the socket, hopefully, but according to the Mayo Clinic, I went online to find this out. According to the Mayo Clinic, a dislocation is an injury to a joint. Now, a joint here means a place where two or more bones come together. That's called the joint. So a dislocation is an injury to a joint in which the ends of the bones are forced from their normal positions. The painful injury temporarily deforms and immobilizes your joint. I looked up online and I found an interesting guy named Mr. Will Greenwood. He's a former soccer player. Well, guess what happened to him? Yes. He had dislocated joints at least three times in his career. Now, according to Mr. Greenwood, now I've never, as far as I know, I've never had a bone come out of the joint. But according to Mr. Greenwood's experience, he said this, you can hardly feel the bone leaving the joint. But it's what that com comes afterward that makes you realize something's not right. One of our grandchildren used to have a wonky shoulder that could easily come out of joint, and her parents had to learn how to safely get that back in. That's all part of parenting, isn't it? Um, did you know that even in the Bible we've got instances of dislocations? Did you know that? We have it even in the Bible. In Genesis 32, Jacob wrestled with the angel all night, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Remember that? What happened? The angel touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and put it out a joint for the rest of his life. And he limped back to his family, but he was a victor. In Psalm 22:14, it's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross. And here's what he said. All my bones are out of joint. People who've done extensive writing back in the uh, first and second century on the art of crucifixion, 
will will tell you, and they've written that oftentimes the condemned, their their bones come out of the joint as they're hanging on the cross. They lose all of their body strength, and this sort of thing happens. How do you know if you've dislocated your shoulder? How in the world would you know? Well, it's never happened to me. I hope it never does. But I looked it up online, and here's what they say. The symptoms are for a dislocated shoulder. A visibly deformed or out-of-place shoulder. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? It goes on. It says swelling or bruising. It says intense pain and inability to move the joint. How do you know if you've dislocated your finger? Oh, by the way, uh, the Mayo Clinic said that shoulders and fingers are the most common dislocations. But how do you know if you've dislocated your finger? Your finger joint looks crooked. Uh, Your finger bone appears to be dislodged, like sticking out on one side. You have swelling and bruising around the joint. You have pain around the joint. You're unable to move your finger. So just remember all this stuff in case it happens to you, right? The great Harry Houdini, uh, apparently, to get out of the straitjacket, he was able to throw his shoulder out of joint. I don't know what that must have felt like, but he would get out of the straitjacket and I guess pop it back in or something. Some people are double-jointed, they say, and that may have something to do with it. Now, according to Healthline.com, dislocations typically result when a joint experiences an unexpected or unbalanced impact. That's what causes it. This might happen if you fall down. Some people who fall down, they get a hip dislocated, right? Uh, If you experience a harsh hit in the area, and after a joint dislocates, listen, it's more likely to dislocate again in the future. So if your shoulder, your finger, your hip, your foot, whatever, pops out a joint, they get it back in, you've got to be careful because it might pop out again in the future. You've got to be careful. Chiropractors and sports injury clinics deal with dislocated joints all the time. Now, I was wondering, I wonder what the, um, uh, the most common sports are that result in uh, dislocations. Now, you can rule out ping pong. I think we can safely put that one on the bottom of the list. But what would you think is the top one or two sports that result in dislocations? What do you think? Football, absolutely. Football. What else? Hockey. Those two are number one and two in the sports injury arena. Uh, So football and hockey. Okay, now, what's number three? No, I'm not hearing it. I'll have to tell you. (laughs) Did someone say husband and wife... uh, no, no, not, no, that's down near the bottom. That's after ping pong. No, the number three sport that re- produces dislocations is rock climbing. Rock climbing. I guess it makes sense, especially if you fall off the rock. All right, what's number four? Someone said it already. Rugby. Rugby. They say there are no winners in rugby, only survivors. That's a rough sport, if you know anything about rugby. And number five, I think it was said already, begins with S, soccer, right, soccer. There's many more, but I just capped it there. Now, professionals all agree 
that the longer you leave your joint dislocated, the more damage is done to the surrounding tissue and ligaments. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? You get something happen to you and, and you pop, get your shoulder, your finger, your leg, your foot, whatever, your hip out of joint, you ought to get that thing back in as quick as you can, right? Because the longer you leave it out of joint, the more damage is done. And maybe the harder it'll be to get back in. So how do these medical people treat a dislocation? Well, according to the John Hopkins University, initial treatments for any dislocation involves rice. How many like rice? Mmm, yeah. That sounds like a pretty good remedy, doesn't it? Only it doesn't mean the stuff you eat. It's an acronym, R-I-C-E. R means rest. I means ice. C means compression. And E means elevation. So now you know what you've been eating for all these years. You know the contents of it. Now, in some cases, they say the dislocated joint might just go back into place naturally. Other times, it needs to be encouraged to get back in there. Well, let's take a look here in Proverbs chapter 25, and let's look at this, this truth now that we've edu educated ourselves on dislocations. Chapter 25 and verse, ver actually verses 18, 19, and 20 teach us to be faithful to our neighbors. That is the, the general context of those, and we find verse 19 in the middle. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Interesting it doesn't say or a foot out of joint. It sounds like confidence in an unfaithful man is just full of problems. It's like having at the same time a busted tooth and a foot out of joint. That's the top and the bottom. That's not so good, is it? That'd be pretty rough if you had one or the other, but if you had them both together. We're concentrating here, though, on uh, this last portion here of the verse, the foot out of joint. Now, let's face it. It's not always easy to be a faithful Christian. Let's be honest right up front. You get saved, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You got a mansion in heaven now. Jesus paid it all. And uh, we couldn't pay a dime ourselves, by the way. You cannot pay on your own sin debt. It's a, it's a debt you cannot pay back. It's too great for you. You need help. That's why God came and did the job. But um, to be a, a faithful Christian 100% of the time is not always easy. Why? Because we slip up. That's why. We slip up. If you meet a Christian who says, well, I never slip up. I'm 100% of the time. I'm faithful. He's probably lying to you. Or he's probably deluded. Got some crazy idea. Truth is, real Christians, honest Christians, good Christians... Faithful Christians slip up. It happens. It happens to every one of us. It happens to me. I slip up. And sometimes I forget to do things that I, that I said I would do, or I, I do them half-heartedly, you know, just to get them done. We slip up. We mess up. Now, unfaithfulness is common for us Christians. And what am I saying by this? And, and I'd like to nail it down a little bit here. We become, we become unfaithful in daily Bible reading and prayer. When you first got saved, you couldn't wait to open the Bible and read some new thing. You couldn't wait to get on your knees and talk to your Heavenly Father. But what happened after a few weeks or months or sometimes even a few days? Other things come into play. And where's that faithful daily time with the Lord? What happened to that? 
Well, number two is we become unfaithful. Listen to this in Sunday and Wednesday church attendance. Whereas once upon a time, we were faithful. When the doors of the church were open, we were there. Something happened. Things got in the way. And now our attendance becomes spotty. It becomes on again, off again. It becomes yo-yo-y here and there. It's not what it used to be. Uh, Number three, we become unfaithful in tithing and supporting missions. I mentioned to you that uh, according to what everyone said one year ago in October, that's when we have our, our Faith Promise Conference, what everyone said who filled out a card, we should be seeing on an average 6857 come in every month. But over now these 10 months now, 11 months, um, we've seen less than that. Why? Because there's some sort of unfaithfulness going on somewhere. And we don't need to know where. God knows where. I don't know where. I don't want to know where. God knows. But the fact is, Christians who once started tithing, stop tithing. Who once started supporting missionaries, fall off the bandwagon. They're no longer supporting missionaries. And the the reasons are all kinds. Um, We become unfaithful in witnessing and soul winning. Many of us soul winners, this is what this little pin is all about here, by the way. It's a soul winner's pin. And the idea is you wear it in public. You wear it to church, but you wear it in public. And someone says, hey, what's that pin for? And then you tell them, that that was an award given to me by my church. And usually people say, oh, an award for what? And then you say, for caring for the spiritual needs of people. And then you follow that up with, tell me, do you have any interest in spiritual things? What a way to open a conversation about spiritual things, right? Fantastic. But how many Christians who have a pin don't wear it? It sits at home in a drawer or they lost it. Uh, And that's just talking about pins. I I know that. But every Christian needs to be a, a witness. When was the last time you handed out a gospel tract? When was the last time that you invited someone to church? When was the last time that you agonized on your knees in prayer for somebody lost? You see, we, we slip up, don't we? And we slip up, we become unfaithful in ministries that we once signed up to do. Where we once raised our hand and said, count on me, I'll do this, I'll do that for the Lord. Now, it doesn't happen. The truth of Proverbs 25 comes home. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Folks, I suggest to you this truth. The world is in a time of trouble right now. The world has never faced this kind of worldwide problem uh, in, in every area you can think of. We are in trouble as a world. And the Lord is looking for faithful men and women in whom he can place his confidence. I believe this, that God wants to put his confidence in all his children all his children, but his children struggle with times of unfaithfulness. Anyone can begin something, but remember, it's the faithfulness that finishes the job, right? And that's where it's at. Faithfulness is the key. What causes us to become faithful? How does it happen? Well, I suggest to you that there's a similarity between the physical and the spiritual here. Just as physical dislocations happen with a sudden impact, it seems to me also that spiritual dislocations also happen with a spiritual impact. For example, a huge sin that knocks us off our feet. 
when we pastored the church in Ottawa many, many years ago, we had a young man there who was doing great. He was involved with soul winning. He was praying for the lost. He had a lost sister he was praying for. The young guy was involved in the computer industry. He went down to California for a show. His company went down there. And when he was down there, he fell into adultery. When he came back, he was totally knocked off his feet. Now, there's an example of a huge sin that will knock a Christian off his or her feet. But it doesn't have to be a huge sin. What it could be is small individual sins that are not repented of, not forsaken, not dealt with. Little sins. Now, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. They get in there and they cause the damage. And it's the little sins, the ones that we say, oh, well, everyone does it, or, you know, it's not a big deal. Those ones, those little sins will get in and will cause an unbalanced uh, pressure, an impact, if you will. Um, they say that a, a scientist, this is a story I'm sure someone made up, a scientist decided to see what would happen if he put a frog in a pan of hot water. Maybe you're familiar with the story. And, of course, the frog just jump right out. Wasn't going to stand for that hot water. The scientist took a pan of cool water and put the frog in the cool water and it, it liked that and it sat there. Ribbit, ribbit. Then the scientist took the frog in the pan of water and put it over a Bunsen burner, a heater, source of heat. And slowly the temperature went up and up slowly and the frog never moved. It stayed there and eventually the frog was cooked. Now, that's a gruesome story, and I think someone ought to call the SPCA right now. But uh, I, don't, I, I think that someone just made up the story, but it illustrates the point that unless you and I deal with the little sins, we will cook in our own juices. That's the point of the story. So it doesn't take a great big sin. It just takes little ones that we don't repent of. Little thoughts of bitterness, little thoughts of lust, little thoughts of greed, little thoughts of laziness, hmm? little thoughts of worldliness. It just takes a little sin here and a little sin there. Now, maybe you're here today and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And maybe as you look at your Christian life, you can look back over the last six months or a year perhaps, and you can see, wow, my life has changed. And you know that there's been no big major sins, but these little guys, these little guys. And you see, that's what the devil uses. He'll use those little guys. Um, how about this? How about poor habits? Now, I'm not talking so much about, about sins per se, but I'm talking about bad habits, poor habits, poor habits that are not corrected. Now, are you there in Proverbs still? Turn back a page or two. I'd like you to see what I would consider a, a very poor habit. It's in chapter 21. Chapter 21 and verse uh, 20. There it is. Verse 20. Read that verse out loud together with me, would you please? There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Now there's a bad habit. Spend, spend, spend. Every time you got a dollar in your hand, you got to go and spend two. And some people just have trouble. Money slips through their fingers as if it were a greased pig or something, and they just can't hold on to money. 
Every time they get it, they just have this desire to go shopping, right? When the going gets tough, the tough go shopping, something crazy, and they go and they don't need it, but they, they love the feeling of buying things and bringing them home and unwrapping them and putting them on the shelf. And then in six months, they throw it out or give it to the Goodwill or something. That's okay, they go out and buy another one. And there are people out of a lot of trouble saving money. In this church for years now, we've recommended that everyone have a PEF. PEF. What does PEF mean? Personal Emergency Fund. PEF. And you ought to have at least $500 or $1,000 somewhere that you can get your hands on quick in case you have an emergency. That's why it's an emergency fund. And so whether you put that in a sock and put it under your mattress or whether you bury it in the backyard or whether you put it in the bank or whether you carry it around with you, you need to have a personal emergency fund. That only makes sense. Listen, it's a sign of good character to spend less than you have coming in. It's a sign of strength and good character to manage your money. That's something that not all of us can do. But the Lord can help us. And I would consider that not so much a, a sin, but a poor habit. And poor habits can be used, I think, of, of the devil to dislocate us spiritually. Because with that spendaholic comes the depression. You see, I think some people buy things just for the emotional feel-good of it. But then they go right after they've had the thing for a day or a week, then eh, it wears off and they, they go back into their, their blues, into their depression or something, and they need to spend more, but they don't have more to spend. And so that's a tough situation. If you had bottomless pockets, oh boy. But uh, some of us are happy to have pants, let alone pockets. I mean, you know, we live on kind of fixed incomes here. How about this? And this one is a major one. Listen to this. Uh, and I'm saying that uh, spiritual impacts to dislocate us spiritually. Number four is changes in our regular weekly pattern of Christian living. If you have an upset or a change in your regular schedule, that can impact you negatively. And I'll give you, this, this actually has two categories, planned changes and unplanned changes. Okay, now what are some unplanned changes? Well, I'll tell you, it's called an accident where you've got an accident at work or at home and all of a sudden, bang, you know, you, you can't go to work for the next few days. You can't go to school. You've been involved in an accident. An accident, an unplanned vacation <laughs> can have a detrimental effect on you spiritually. It can impact you spiritually and kind of knock you out of socket a little bit. Unplanned changes, sicknesses, emergencies, sudden job losses. That's an unplanned vacation when the boss says, well, this will be your last day. We don't need you after today. That is definitely an unplanned vacation. Things like that that you didn't plan for, but they, they result in you being set aside or you have a lot of time on your hands. Watch out. Be careful. Be careful about that. The second category are planned, planned vacations or changes. And of course, that would include vacations. It includes time off. It includes holidays. It includes all those things that you know are coming. You're looking forward to them. They're planned. But I suggest to you this. Watch out because that's a, a two-headed serpent. 
having a, a change in your regular pattern for a period of weeks or months is definitely an impact upon you or upon me, upon any of us. It's common for many Christians to get impacted by summer holidays and end up with a dislocated sense of spiritual faithful service. Back to school. A lot of kids dread those words. A lot of parents are happy. It means the kids are finally you know, out from underfoot and back in school. They don't have to worry about them. But back to school days can be pretty tough on some parents. Say, why would it be tough on the parents? Oh, trying to get Johnny out of bed in the morning and, you know, get him dressed and get him on the bus or whatever, get him to school. That's not so easy. Why? Because all summer long, he's just stayed up late. He slept in in the morning. He's just had this topsy-turvy. And now to try and get back into harness, back into saddle, it is tough. I heard a story about a, a two uh, mothers that were uh, talking over lunch one day. And one mother said, oh, my boy, Johnny, he, and by the way, I just use that name, Johnny, all right? So it's not a reflection on anyone here. That's a very generic vanilla name, okay? Johnny. Uh, my, my Johnny, he, he came home with a nose ring. And the other lady, the other, her girlfriend said, oh, a nose ring. She said, yes, oh, why? That's, that's, that's not so good. And the mother says, no, that's not so bad. And uh, she said, why is that? And uh, she said, it sure makes it easy to get him out of bed in the morning. So that's just a little bit of humor there. But um, you get the idea that back-to-school days can sometimes be pretty tough on the parents when the kids have kind of gotten out of socket over the summer. And likewise, God has trouble sometimes with his kids getting out of socket, out of joint, because of holidays and vacations. Does that make sense? You're off work, off school for a number of weeks or months, and then try to get back into the swing of things. Try and get back into your regular uh, duties and routines of reading the Bible and faithfulness at church and service and so on. It's not that easy sometimes. And that's one of the reasons why we slip up. That's one of the reasons why we do it. So just as a physical location, physical dislocation can happen with a sudden impact, it seems to me that spiritual dislocations uh, also require an impact, and that comes spiritually. Now, I'd like you to see a very interesting verse in the New Testament. Would you mind going there, please, to the New Testament? Find the book of Galatians. Galatians. After the Gospels, you've got Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then you have Galatians. And go to chapter 5. The book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in the region of Asia Minor known as Galatia. And there were several churches there. And these were good churches with just good people in them, just like here at Grace Baptist Church, normal people. But back then, a bunch of people known as the Judaizers came in and visited these churches and tried to convince them that they needed to go back under the laws of Moses. And Christ came to free us from all of that. And so... Paul wrote in chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Watch this. He said, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Now, the word hinder literally means to cut in on someone. This happens in a race. Guys are running or girls are running in a race around the track, and one 
purposely takes a step too far and cuts into the pathway of another runner and it causes the runner to be thrown to one side or to stumble or sometimes they hurt themselves. They fall and hurt themselves. That's the idea of hinder. Paul was saying, it's like you're in a Christian race and ye did run well. Well, what happened to you? Who did hinder you? Who cut in on you? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's the devil, the enemy of our souls. Whenever you or I are doing good spiritually, what's going to happen? Satan's going to send something along. We're running the race for God. The old devil's going to try and take a step in to cut us off, to hinder us, to sort of semi-block us. Boom, so that we end up in the ditch. That's his job. That's what he does. God tells us we're in a Christian race and it's faithfulness that wins the prize. Did you hear that? It's faithfulness. It's not glorious success. It's being faithful. Matthew 25, 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's not well done, thou good and successful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What is God looking for? What's the chief quality? It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. And that's why the devil wants to spiritually dislocate you. That's why. And he will use subtle, strange, weirdo ways to do it. If, he can, if the bottom line, if he can get you to stop being faithful with reading the Bible and praying every day. Stop being faithful in your church attendance. Stop being faithful in your tithing, in your soul winning. If he can, if he can just kind of get in there and start with even one of those, one will affect the next, which will affect the next. And basically, who did hinder you? You, you, you ran well. Who did hinder you? Satan will try to impact you and dislocate your faithfulness. What will he try to do? He will try and dislocate your faithful Bible reading and prayer, your church attendance, Sundays and Wednesdays, your tithing, your witnessing, your faithful service. What ought we to do when we realize that our faithful service to God has suffered an impact? What should we do? Well, a couple things to keep in mind first. Number one is remember the longer it's left out of joint, what? The more what? Damage is done to the surrounding tissues and ligaments. We're talking about a dislocation, folks. The longer you leave it out of joint, the more damage that happens. And it won't be just you that you're damaging. It'll be your family that you damage as well. The longer, dad, mom, the longer you stay out of the prayer closet, the longer you stay away from faithful attendance, then there's, you know, the kids, you're damaging them. Because the kids aren't stupid. The kids can see. They see. You see, they say your, your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Someone said, uh, I know you're talking, but your walking is speaking louder than you're talking. I can't hear what you're saying because your walking is talking louder than you're talking. Someone says, do as I say, not as I do. Well, that doesn't cut it, does it? You know, when, when the parent is involved with a sin and, and knows it's a sin and says to his or her child, well, you know, just do what I tell you. Don't, don't follow me. Don't imitate me. You know, just do what I tell you. And the child's going to say, okay, okay, but they don't believe it. They don't believe it because they know what, where life is really at at home. 
It's sad, folks. Let's be honest. It's sad. But sometimes in some churches, I don't think it happens in this church at all. But in some churches, when uh, adults are very spiritual on, on Sunday, the kids know it's only an act. Because come Monday, there's all of the screaming at home and the bickering and the fighting and the threats and so on. But come Sunday, everything you'd think was just as perfect as can be. I don't think it happens in this church. But I think it happens in other churches. But it's something that we need to be aware of. So remember, the longer it's left out of joint, the more damage it does to the surrounding ligaments. And so it needs to be repaired right away. The second thing to keep in mind is this. Remember that after a joint dislocates, it's going to be more likely to dislocate again. If you've had trouble being faithful, you've been dislocated in your daily Bible reading and prayer, that's, that's a common problem. Well, once it happens the first time, there's a tendency for it to happen the second time. That's just life. And we need to understand what it was that happened and impacted us so that we can take steps to protect and strengthen against it. The very first step, here's what we do. The very first step is we go to see the great physician. The very first thing you need to do. Listen, if you were leaving church and slipped in the parking lot and dislocated your shoulder, how, how many hours before you go to the hospital? How many days before you said, you know, I think I better get this looked into? You'd go to the hospital right away. Maybe you wouldn't even want to leave the parking lot. You'd say, no, 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 don't touch me. Just call the ambulance. I'll wait right here. Thank you. You would go right away to get that looked after. Well, spiritually, same thing. When you realize that you've been dislocated, that what used to be in and working good is out and doesn't seem to work anymore, you need to go to the great physician. You've got to go see Jesus. And you can speak to him today. You know why? Because he's here. This is his house. This is the Lord's house. Church means the house of the Lord. Jesus is here today. In April of 2015, listen to this, a 63-year-old Canadian mountain hiker named Greg Ross went and vacationed in New Zealand. And he went for a hike on a mountain trail on the western side of New Zealand. Now, even though Greg was an experienced hiker, he got a bit disoriented, he lost his way, and he slipped on a very steep slope, and he fell hard, and he dislocated his shoulder. This happened three and a half years ago. No one was around. It was remote. No one was around. He couldn't move. It immobilized him. There was so much pain. He spent the next two nights on the slope there with his sleeping bag up over him, just recovering from the shock. But there was no water nearby, and Ross knew that unless he moved down further to an abandoned hut where he knew there was water, unless he moved on down, he knew he was going to die. And so, listen, this is true. Greg Ross began a seven-hour crawl C-R-A-W-L, down the mountainside. There was so much vegetation and bush that he couldn't really walk upright because the, the bush was attacking his damaged shoulder. He had to lay down and crawl, and it was sleep, a, a, a very steep slope as well. So he finally made it to the abandoned hut, and uh, sure enough, there was water there. And in the hut he had to wait another seven nights, shivering and barely able to sleep until rescue finally came. 
He had left word that if he's not back in a certain number of days to go looking for him, so they went looking for him. So after seven days, they finally found him. But you see, the thing is, he came. He went to the hut. He went to where there was water. Even though he had to crawl, he went there. He went to where he knew he would be found. And that's what you and I have to do. We've got to go to where we know he'll find us. The great physician, he heals our sick. The great physician can see right through and he can see exactly what the problem is. Now, over this past summer, it's easy for any of us, all of us, to get out of spiritual socket. Now, if you feel that you've suffered a spiritual impact, if you feel that your faithful service for Jesus Christ has been affected, if you feel that you've cooled off spiritually a bit, I encourage you with all my heart, don't leave it out of joint. What you need to do is make your way to the altar. Come talk to the great physician. Jesus is the great physician. But you need to come. You need to be strengthened. Don't leave it out of socket. Things only get worse. Remember, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. These are troublesome days for the world and for the church. They're only going to get worse. You're, you will not see this go into a, a, a thousand-year reign of peace. This is tough times the world is going through. It's going to get worse for the, the world and the church. We need every Christian in this church spiritually connected with the Lord so that we can survive and so that we can serve the Lord in reaching the world with the gospel. And so many people need to be saved. It's time to come close to the Lord. It's time to be strengthened in your connections with Him. We've just come through the summertime. For some, it was a great summer. For others, eh, well, it's iffy. But it's a summertime that can leave us spiritually disconnected. Back to school has happened. We're back in the saddle now. We're back to school whether we like it or not. We're back to work. Now is the time to get plugged back in, to get strengthened. Let's stand to our feet, and I want to encourage you. Make this like a mini-revival in your heart today. Make this a special occasion in your heart today, and come on the invitation to be strengthened in your connection with God. Will you come and pray to Jesus and be strengthened?